Then there were five by Elizabeth Enright. Chapter seven. The Twelve Pound Cat. Best worms is down by the old pigsty, said Mr. Titus, ambling off in that direction. Rich earth there. Real rich. Worms love it. Night crawlers. I've hooked many a good sized bluegill on a night crawler. Yes, and better than bluegills, too. He detached one of his apron strings from the reaching tendrils of a morning glory vine. They can talk about their plugs for casting all they wanna, and their feather flies and spoons, and I don't know what all. Let em talk, I say, but give me good live bait. Yes, sir, said Mr. Titus, rolling the words around in his mouth like a fat giant in a fairy tale. Give me good live bait. Oliver, ploughing along behind him, agreed heartily. He agreed with everything Mr. Titus did or said. As a fisherman, storyteller, baker of cakes, and general all-round person, Oliver found Mr. Titus without fault. Ever since Rush had allowed him to accompany them on a fishing trip, Oliver had taken every opportunity to see Mr. Titus. He had even bought a straw hat at the Carthage Dry Goods and Confectionery, exactly like Mr. Titus's. It had a green celluloid skylight set into the front brim that cast a bilious light upon his face. The only trouble was that it had looked too new, and Oliver was aging it by stepping on it now and then, rolling it in the dust, and picking at the edge of the brim to make it ravel. He had done a pretty good job on it in a short time, and the hat looked almost as experienced as that of his idol. Mr. Titus encouraged this friendship. He fostered it tenderly with rich night-crawlers and marble-cake and all-day excursions to Abbot's Slough or Squaw Dam or one of the many little ponds or streams that he knew about. "'There's the place, right about there,' Mr. Titus indicated a spot on, in the dark pig-pen soil with the toe of his shoe. "'Here's the trowel, Oliver. I'm too old and fat to have to bend down. You dig em out, and I'll point em out. I'm an expert worm-diviner.' What he said was true. In very little time they had a mason jar full of good, active, live bait. Next they picked up the lunch basket, an important item, and with their fishing rods and identical straw hats, walked side by side along the dusty road toward the slough that ran through Baggett's pasture. Oliver was even beginning to walk a little like Mr. Titus. Hambone wagged along beside them. On either side the ragweed stood five feet tall and in lavish bloom. "'Bad for folks with hay fever,' remarked Mr. Titus. "'My sister's husband gets it something fierce. Claims the only cure he knows of is to go to some big city like New York City and ride back and forth all day long on the subway cars. And even then he ain't safe. Why, he says more folks travel around with bouquets of flowers than you'd ever figure on. Ought to be a law,' he says. "'Now then, let's see.' You scooch down under this fence, Oliver, and I'll just step over it. That's it. And down yonder, under that old willow, we ought to find a pool with some bluegills in it. The next few hours were a time of peace and profit to them both. The willow lay along the bank like a scaly old dragon, and arched its silver branches above the pool. It was ancient and vast, with great dead patches in it. Decayed boughs and atrophied root-stumps clawed the air, where the leathery fungus stood out in port-cochères, and dark moss grew like ragged fur. But the rest of the tree was victoriously alive, supple, enormous, with thousands of leaves that moved softly and richly in the slightest wind. "'Sure is an old one,' said Mr. Titus. "'Looked just about the same 
time I was a kid. What now? Sure is an old one, said Mr. Titus. Looked just about the same time I was a kid. My initials is carved on it somewheres. Hambone had gone exploring by himself. From time to time they heard a muffled bark and a scuffle in the distance. Mr. Titus laughed comfortably. A great hunter, Hambone is, goes at it just as hearty as if he ever bagged anything. Every woodchuck for miles around is familiar with that dog. There comes Hambone, they tell each other. He ain't anything to worry about. Just relax, boys, and we'll have a little fun. Nice thing about it is Hambone don't know the joke's on him. <clears throat> there was silence again. On the butterscotch-colored surface of the pool, whirligig beetles and water-skaters went about their tiny, frantic business. The frogs came out one by one and sat on the bank, staring at nothing, their eyes glazed with gold, and their front toes turned in. Mr. Titus and Oliver sat side by side in the green shadow, holding their rods on their knees, staring out watchfully from under their twin hats. Both of them smelled strongly of citronella, and each approaching mosquito departed immediately with a frustrated whine. Above the citronella there was an odor of crushed mint, and slow water, and cow pastures. Every now and then, up or downstream, something plopped into the slough. Maybe a turtle, maybe a big frog, maybe a snake. The dragonflies hung above the still surface like turquoise needles, and woodpeckers knocked at the dead willow branches up above. The opposite bank was a rich jungle of jewel-weed jewel and bone-set. Mr. Titus sighed. "'I ever tell you about the time I caught the cat?' "'No, you never did,' said Oliver, in anticipation. He was such a veteran by now that he knew immediately that Mr. Titus was referring not to an animal, but to a fish. "'Tell me.' "'Well, it was like this. One day—' Two, three hundred years ago, when I was about as old as you, or maybe a little older, I went fishing on a Sunday. Yes, sir, I went fishing on a Sunday, and what's more, I played hooky from church to do it. That was a mighty sinful thing in those days. Guess it, t guess it is still. Trouble was, in Sunday school, we'd been studying about Jonah, and how the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and how he was in its belly three days and three nights. Well, the more I got to thinking about that whale, that big fish of the Lord, the more I got to thinking about the big catfish that had been laying around a certain pool I knew of down to Abbott's Slough. I thought about it, and thought about it, till I couldn't stand it any more, and then when class was over I lighted out quick as a wink before my folks could find me and take me to the church service. The buggies was all lined up in front, horses tied to the hitchin' rail, the bell was ding-donging in the steeple, and I saw the ladies going in in their best dresses and their best religious smiles, and I hid for a while behind the horse trough until—oop, wait, I got a bite. Excitedly, Mr. Titus reeled in a small sheep's head and removed it from the hook. "'I'll have it for breakfast tomorrow,' he said with satisfaction, rolled in cornmeal with bacon and a pan of biscuit and some coffee. Let's see, where was I? "'Behind the horse-trough,' prompted Oliver. "'That's right. "'Well, I just stayed there till I heard the organ begin. First, it always gave kind of a grunt and a die-away sigh, "'and then even right through the music "'you could hear the sound of the foot-pedals, "'thump, thump, 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 "'just like someone going upstairs. "'And then when I heard the people singing good and loud, "'I started to run. 
right across the meadows in my Sunday shoes that squeezed something terrible, because I was used to going barefoot. While I ran, I could hear the singing stop, and then people coughing for a minute, and then the preacher, Mr. Kornhauser, he had a good strong voice, begin the sermon, calling out loud from the pulpit, "'Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy.' I felt like he was calling me sure, but I kept on running. When I got home, I sneaked right out back of the barn to get my tackle and bait. I didn't dare go near the house, because my Aunt Effie and my Grandma was there getting dinner ready. They was making something kind of fancy out of it, because the preacher himself was coming back for dinner. Even the thought of that didn't stop me in my sin. No, sir, I went right on down, right through the pasture to Abbot's Slough, near where it opens into the river, and all the time I had a feeling I was going to catch that fish. It was what they call a hunch, I guess. Well, I was so excited I didn't even take off my Sunday shoes and go barefoot. I went up near the mouth of the slough where that deep, muddy pool was, and I stood there in the shade in my good suit and my good shoes, and I put the juiciest night crawler on my hook. Then I cast it out and waited. I swear my heart was right up in my throat. I just knew I was going to get that cat. The old fat rascal was laying around there on the bottom looking for a meal. I couldn't see him, but I knew he was there. The little frogs sat around the edge and blinked their yellow eyes and bulged out their throats. None of them knew it was Sunday. The little birds, red-winged blackbirds and woodpeckers, they was busy up in the branches flying around and pecking and hollering at each other. They didn't know it was Sunday. Neither did the mosquitoes. I kept telling myself that Sunday was just another day of the week, and finally I had myself believing in it. Believing it. All except my conscience. My conscience sat off on the side somewheres, knowing it was Sunday and judging me. But I managed to keep it from coming too close. It was a fine morning, clear and bright. Hot in the sunshine and cool in the shade, and the locusts made that scorching noise up in the trees. I stood there maybe an hour, maybe two, and I didn't catch a thing except some duckweed and cress. I was beginning to get hungry, and the hungrier I got, the closer came my conscience. "'You should have thought sooner,' it was saying. "'You'd ought to know they won't give you any dinner now, not after you skipping church.' And then, by golly, it happened. Something hit my line like an express train. I was so dumbfounded that I lost my balance, and I didn't have no toes to grip with, as they were all closed up in those blame shoes. Down I went, flat as a haddock, and slid right into the pool. It's a deep one there, or used to be, maybe ten, twelve foot. I went down with my eyes open, and under the water it was yellow like chicken broth. All the time I was holding on to my rod, too. I hadn't learnt to swim yet, but when I came to the surface I wanted to get back to the bank so bad that, by golly, I got there. Don't ask me how. And all the time I was hanging on to my rod for dear life, and when I scrambled up the muddy bank and pulled myself onto the grass, I kept saying to my conscience, or maybe it was a prayer, "'Just let that fish be on my line still. "'Just let him be hooked good, "'and I'll promise never to fish on Sunday again "'long as I live. "'Honest to goodness, cross my heart.' "'Well, sir, the fish was on. "'He was on, and I sure had a tussle getting him in. "'But I got him in. "'Yes, sir, I got him in, and he was a beauty, too. "'Fat and independent, with whiskers like a Chinese emperor. "'The biggest cat I'd ever seen. "'I felt like I'd won a battle single-handed.' I felt like I deserved a medal. 
He weighed a-plenty, that fish did. He weighed twelve pounds and a little over, the biggest catfish ever caught in Abbott's Slough. I carried him along, and I didn't care how heavy he was. The water in my shoes squelched with every step. The knees was out of both my stockings, and my lace collar was full of watercress. But I didn't care. At least, at first I didn't. Then, when I climbed the fence and began crossing Folkman's pasture, my clothes commenced to steam. The sun got hotter and hotter, and the fish got heavier, and so did my conscience. I walked slower and slower. I wished I didn't ever have to go home. I saw the house, and the maple trees around it, and the barn all quiet in the noonday sunshine, and they knew it was Sunday all right. So did our dog Shep on the front steps, and so did all the leghorn hens. They was standin' around the barnyard, white as snow, makin' little thin sounds and not movin' much. Everything sat there neat and tidy in the sunshine, knowin' it was Sunday, and condemnin' me. Well, by the time I came through the side gate, I was plannin' how I'd hide in the hayloft till it was dark, and then get into the house, change my clothes, open my bank, and run away to join the Wild West show. But my grandma saw me out the kitchen window. She had an eye like a chicken hawk. Jasper, she hollers, big like she was calling a station on a train. Jasper. I stopped in my tracks, dripping. You march straight into the parlor, young man, and see what your papa has to say to you. And Aunt Effie, I never did care for her, kept saying. My heavenly day, my lands! Why, Jasper Titus, and on a Sunday, and with Mr. Kornhauser here too! Just look at your suit and your lovely crochet collar. I just hope your papa whips you. And my sister Ruthie, she was no help. She just stared at me and kind of held her skirts away and said, "My, my, ever glad it's not me." Nobody mentioned the fish. I squelched into the parlor to meet my doom. There they was sittin', full of Sunday dinner and wholesome satisfaction, because they'd worshipped first and then et. And there I stood in the doorway, mud from top to toe and with my stockings tore, but holdin' the biggest cat that ever come out of Abbott's Slough. They all just stared at me. My mamma in her best silk dress, Mrs. Kornhauser in her best silk dress. My papa in his stiff collar and watch chain looped across his stomach, and Mr. Kornhauser. Mr. Kornhauser's mouth fell open like the mouth on a carp. Jasper, what happened to you? Are you hurt? says my mamma. We was calling you and calling you. Hurt indeed, says my papa, pushing back his chair. He played hooky. That's what he done. Hooky on a Sunday from church. But Gilbert, he's soaking wet. Says my mamma. How did you get wet, young man? Answer me! Shouts my papa. What's that you got there? A fish, papa. I says. My voice sounds weak. I held up the fish, and I couldn't help but be glad that it was so big. If I'd done an awful wicked thing by playing hooky on Sunday, I was glad anyways that the result was a fine big catfish instead of a measly little perch. It was on a nobler scale. And I don't mean a fish scale either. <laughs> That's what they call a pun. Oh, Jasper, fishin', my mamma says, lookin' real sad. She didn't know much about fish, 
"'But just for a second I saw my papa staring at that cat with his eyes bungin' out, "'and he didn't look mad a bit. "'Jasper,' says Mr. Kornhauser, "'and that big voice of his booms out, just like he'd brought his pulpit with him. "'Jasper, have you forgotten, I fear—whoops. "'Jasper, you have forgotten, I fear, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest.' I wanted to say that fishin' was restin' to me, and church was work, but I had the sense not to. My papa was lookin' mad again, and I knew what was in store for me. A whippin' behind the barn, with all the hens scurryin' away and squawkin', and then being sent to my room with no dinner, and then a long talk with mamma. That's what I got, too, and I repented like I should have done, and the hungrier I got, the more I repented. Finally I thought I'd repented about as much as the sin was worth, and I opened my bedroom window and looked out. My sister Ruthie was in the double swing with her dolls. I waved a towel. I didn't dare call. Till she noticed it. She came skipping over. "'I'm hungry,' I says. "'Wait a minute,' she says, and ran into the house. Pretty soon she came back with a basket, and I let down a rope I kept behind the washstand. That wasn't the first time I'd been sent to my room.' Ruthie tied on the basket, and I pulled it up. I remembers if it was yesterday. Chicken leg, and cold turnips, and a slice of pie. Ruthie was a good sister. Mr. Titus lapsed into silence. Oliver waited a minute, and then said, "'Is that the end of the story, Mr. Titus?' "'Pretty close to it, Oliver, but not quite. "'Well, sir, a long time later, when I was near grown, my papa died.' Some days after the funeral, Mama and Ruthie and I went through his things, his papers and all, you know. Papa always used to keep a journal, mostly about crops, like how many bags of feed he'd bought, and how much they'd cost, or how much he'd got for the Chester sow he'd sold, and things like that. I was just flipping the pages through my fingers, looking at the entries without paying much attention, when I saw one that caught my eye. Sunday, August 8, 1886, it read. Today my son Jasper Joseph Titus caught a twelve-pound catfish, probably the largest ever caught in Abbot's Slough. Oliver thought this over. So he wasn't mad after all, he said at last. So he wasn't mad after all, agreed Mr. Titus. I was kind of glad to know about it. Then he laughed a little. But that sure was a mighty convincing spankin' he gave me behind the barn. By the time he had caught another sheep head and Oliver had caught two bluegills, it was time for supper. Mr. Titus's basket always contained surprises, and Oliver watched its unpacking with appreciative attention. At the appearance of each item he said, "'Boy!' or, "'Oh, boy!' with enthusiasm. "'Devil eggs! Oh, boy!' "'Boy! Minced chicken sandwiches!' "'Orange layer cake! Oh, boy! Oh, boy! Oh, boy!' "'Yes, and root beer,' said Mr. Titus. "'After they had eaten every crumb, they fished some more. "'Minnows began jumping in the still water. "'The shadows deepened. "'There was a sound of cows returning to their barns. "'Time to go, Oliver, time to go,' said Mr. Titus, "'getting up from the ground in sections. "'We done pretty good today. "'Next time we'll do better. "'Now where's that dog of mine? "'Hambone!' "'Here, sir, come here.' Hambone appeared almost at once, bounding eagerly, his coat full of stick-tights, and one of his ears turned inside out. 
"'It's a good thing Hambone ain't a fisherman,' said Mr. Titus, as they crossed the pasture. "'He'd be awful unlucky.' They negotiated the fence once more, and side by side walked up the dusty road, in shadow now. Mr. Titus's walk was a little stiffer than at midday, and Oliver's was a little slower. But they had their fish, and their empty picnic basket, and they were well content. Several times they passed long lines of cows going home to be milked. They were soft-coloured animals, and the dust rose in clouds about their hoofs. Great velvety melancholy sounds came from their throats. With each herd there was a little boy in overalls. Each time they said, Hello, and the boy said, Hello, catch any? And they held up their fish for him to see. An evening fragrance came from the woods and ditches. The sky was deepening up at the top. "'Gee, Mr. Titus,' Oliver said. "'My, I wish I could ever catch a twelve-pound cat.' "'You will, son, you will. And bigger, too,' said Mr. Titus generously. After a moment he added, "'But not in Abbot's Slough.'" End of chapter 7 Read on Friday, March 29, 2013, in Oceanside, California.